Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. So welcome, Max Arouge, to Soho Radio. Pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for having me, Paul. Appreciate it. Nice to talk to you. And what I like to do with a lot of people on the show is, you know, is talk about their path into music and and how they learn and what they learned. And because everyone's everyone's different, and I find it really interesting. And so I believe you were you, you know you were born and raised in LA, and you started very early in terms of studying classical and jazz piano. Is that yes, right? that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think back, it was so long ago, obviously, but at that age, when you start at six, seven years old, you just do, you don't really think that much about it. And I think just taking lessons and just sticking with it and not, and I wasn't practicing, you know, hours and hours a day at first, I was just, just doing it, you know, in between school and karate and whatever other activities I was doing. And and then when I was 12 is when something flipped and then I thought, oh, this is actually a really cool hobby that I somehow have fallen into and I already have um, a base. And then that's when I kind of fell in love with it and started to practice a lot and mm-hmm. generated a personal interest in it. And then that's when it became kind of part of who, who I was and you know what I was about. And was it, you know, were you at that point, were you sort of then suddenly absorbing the music in terms of, because I, I think I saw in uh, in another interview, you'd mentioned uh, Oscar Peterson as being a big inspiration. So when, when were you kind of, I guess, becoming that sponge of then, you know, wanting to listen and play and, and play the things that you were hearing as well? I think, yeah, to, to answer that, yeah, the first concert I remember was actually when I was 12, was when I actually did see Oscar Peterson live in Vancouver with my dad. And I think it was kind of pre-internet taking over everything. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I went to see him, that was kind of revelatory to see, oh, that's the person who is on all the albums that I listened to. And he was older at that time already, and so it took him seemingly you know, two minutes to get from one side of the stage to the piano. And, but once he sat down, just his fingers were just flying across the keyboard. So I think that seeing him do that and having an idol like that, um, actually perform for this crowd and being there, that, that was incredible. That was really exciting. Thank you. 
That's amazing. And then, so then you went on to study uh, music composition at, at university, I believe, as well. And so, was that? I mean, were you were you aware of a path? that you wanted to take at that point in terms of, did you want to follow the jazz route or were you thinking about TV and film at that point yet? In high school, I scored a short film um, with a friend and we made it as a group of friends. It was a blast. And I think at that point, my interest was peaked as far as, Oh, this is, this seems like something I'd want to do. And then I went to college and, and I think my, my parents were super supportive, but of course they wanted to make sure I had a job. Um, and then in in college, I was kind of pursuing it and just kind of going through it and still taking business classes also, you know, just in case things didn't kind of pan out or whatever. And then I got an internship working at Hans's studio in college. And then things kind of started to look like there was some sort of path. And then I just kept going there. And by the time I was done with school, Lauren had offered me a full-time job. And it just worked out really smoothly. But I think all in all, I was hopeful and just working towards that. But I think now there's so much more information online. And it seems like there's an easy, not an easier path, but there's, you think you know more and maybe you do as a younger person coming up. But I just kind of did what I needed to do and kept my head down. I didn't think too much about it, but it all kind of worked out pretty nicely, I think. And so then that leads you into, as you mentioned, working with Hans and Lorne doing um, additional music with them on, on a multitude of, of a huge projects. Yes. Um, I mean, how was it to work with the pair of them? You know, were they, was it a very different dynamic with each? Um, I, I perceived it to be that it was every everything that, I did was of importance. It didn't matter whether it was a tiny task or a big task. And I always just thought I'm just going to do the best I can and, uh, and work as much as possible, like late nights all all the time. Um, I think that that's just the gig. And, and I just did, just did the best I could. I didn't, didn't think much more about it. I didn't think that everything was like some sort of avenue into something else. Just, just did the work. It was really kind of monk-like in that way, where you don't want to overthink anything. You just want to do the job. <laughs> mm. And then, I mean, it's such a broad range of, of of projects, you know, from The Crown to to Top Gun Maverick, you know, from, you know, Black Widow to, to the TV series Marcella, which is, you know, yes. aired here in the UK. Yes. Um, you know, was there were there any projects um, amongst all of that that you you were you were sort of most proud of your your involvement in? I would have to say Top Gun because not only because it was so recent, but just because I think universally the film was liked and and it and it was such a great way to come out of the pandemic, and it was a stressful project and and writing that stuff there was so such a big gap of time between working on it and it coming out and then mm. to have the the reception it did was really it felt good and it felt like wow this is this is what you're after really is for a film you work so hard on to be so loved by basically the whole world i think it was just kind of generally decided that everyone liked it 
Um, and I just thought it was a great film too. When I watched it at a screening at Paramount, I, I was floored. I was, I was just floored. Yeah, because I mean, it was risky um, yeah. to, to go back there, you know, not just for the filmmakers, but also, you know, Tom Cruise, although he doesn't look like he ages that much. He he has, <laughs> you know, um, and, it, you know, there's a big, big gap. And I think it was one of those things that at the time, it's probably like nobody thought that we needed a new Top Gun at that time. And then oh, once... Yeah, you know, once once it happened and and people people started to see it, you know, word of mouth was, you know, certainly here in the UK, you know, there was that our sort of preeminent film critic, uh, Mark Commode, was talking about it as, you know, this is obviously coming out of the pandemic as well. Was you're talking about it as a film that 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 is needed to get people back into the cinemas? You know, yeah. it's a cinematic vision, and it, it's one of those ones. It's it's like a fist fist pump, you know, of, yeah. of a film, you know, because it's yeah. it's action, but character driven. It's got the music yeah. attached to it, you know, and it, it really it really kind of hit the nail on the head with making that work. Yeah, yeah, it was it was just um, I'm I'm object I'm I'm not uh, objective, of course, but I just thought it was just fantastic. <laughs> saw footage of it I was thinking whoa this is this is really something even without music and scenes I thought wow this is there's something going on here this is special and I guess around about this sort of the, the same period I guess over the last sort of five five years or so you've also been focusing on your your own projects yes as well and you know, how how did that path sort of come your way as well? Like, was it through through the work you'd done with Lorne and Hans that, that work had come through? It was both. Um, in March, at the beginning of the pandemic or around then, Lorne and I had a conversation and we agreed I needed to decide on a date that I would just go on my own. Because once you're in that world, there's it's just so much work coming and you could just stay forever. And so we mm. just decided that I was going to choose a date on my own and I was in the middle of scoring Lansky when that happened so that was great timing that I had something to work on right when I was done and then I had also booked The Ice Road with Liam Neeson so that was starting right after so that transition was was perfect and I, I had signed with an agent so that transition was was really comfortable um, but then once you go freelance, there's another set of challenges because then there's a moment where you finish something and you think, okay, well, what, what's the next thing? But then one day it comes knocking and, and most of it has come from my previous relationships that, that Lauren had set up for me or people from school that I had met at USC. So it just kind of happens. And, but at first, yeah, I, I was pretty nervous at first, but 
I mean, here, here we are um, two and a half years later, almost three years later. And yeah, the, life, life just happens. And, and there's uh yeah, there's no describing it really. It just, it just, it just works the way it should work. leads us to the to the new film um which is out very soon the tank which is um it's kind of like a classic creature feature b movie almost but it's it's very kind of dark and, and almost a, a, a kind of period film you know it's set sort of 40 40 no over that 50 years ago in the 70s I always forget now yeah. time time increases yes um 
how did you how did that project come your way i had met the director years ago on um frozen ground which is a film he did with nicholas cage Mm. And and when this one came up, um, we got kind of remet. We hadn't spoken in a couple of years, but we just jumped right in. And he knew exactly what he wanted. By the time I saw the edit, it was just crystal clear what we were after. And and really, it was such a joy working on it. Actually, and the the and you said the word classic, and I really that that's how I felt about the film as well. That we were after a a very classic feeling and, you know, wanting to give the audience what they want when they see a movie like that. And a lot of the sounds were meant to kind of be both classic and modern, but really the structure we wanted it to be, you know, we, we wanted to hit the nail on the head. And I actually went to see it with, with a group on Friday and it was a lot of fun to watch it in a theater. <laughs> well you're getting all of the, the the scares and everything in the right place with the, the people yes there. yeah 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 there's uh, whenever you see it in theaters you're always reminded of all these small decisions you made and how you forget about some of them and then you remember other ones but seeing it in a theater with an audience is that that feeling is just irreplaceable to, to make sure you're hitting those things that you want to hit
and the score itself, it's 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 sort of a fascinating mix, like you say, of, of sort of you know uh, classic and, and modern sounds. And I think you said that it's um, the, the the score is there to sort of mimic the the creatures in the film, in that they are um, it's kind of slow stalking almost, and the action. Right. You know, there's no sort of fast paced tension but it builds slowly builds slowly until the you know That's the right. point you know how did you how did you sort of work on on creating that i think because i did crawl a few years ago i had the experience to know how to pace yourself because you can't start sprinting because then you've got nowhere else to go so the the trick and that's not the right word but the, the method with these movies is to plan out the climaxes within each act and within each scene to know where you need to end up by a certain point so that you're able to start slower and build there musically. And that, that really takes the most work is planning how you're going to do that. So if you have a seven minute scene, you really have to start slowly and and give the audience breadcrumbs to know how to feel tense here and here and here. But then really, you know, to zoom out, you need to make sure that you're hitting, you know, the most exciting and loudest music at the climaxes, of course, Mm -hmm. because you don't want the audience to tire of the music at all. um, Because then you're just not doing your job right. It's, it's gotta be stretched out just the right amount. Yeah, and I think it, it does. It does do that, and you know, it becomes it it becomes part of the the experience of, of you know you're sort of there with with the beast at the same time, um, you know. And I think I think you also mentioned that it's it sort of mimics the breathing of the creature as well, which again, it's like you kind of feel like you are you're on both sides. You're there with with the sort of the protagonists and the, the victims who are escaping, but also you're there watching. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of an enhanced reality where you, you know, the creature is around and, and the characters in the film are, of course, petrified. So this, this creature sound, this theme um, is placed, I hope, tastefully around, but not too much to give the signifier that they are not safe. Mm -hmm. And that at any moment, they can be chomped. So that that's a lot of fun to work with that as a composer and just and create that sense of dread and and impending danger. You were creating the music to to be almost a, a reference, obviously, you know, these creatures they're sort of these ancient uh creatures that have been terrorizing this this land and you wanted the music to be almost something that is reflective of what may have been heard at that period years and years and years ago as well you know so how did you how did you decide on the sort of sound palette there to use and to create that atmosphere so we wanted it to be both classic and ancient so 
using orchestra in this situation is it, it will it just speaks well but it's not enough to use just kind of a perfect cello section it, it needed to be grittier and dirtier so recording multiple layers and slightly detuning them and at different rates and also transposing them lower and higher and having them kind of tremolo so basically bow back and forth really quickly um, doing that and having them bend in between the notes it was all of this together created the this kind of group sound so what sounds like kind of you know hopefully one instrument is really so many different things uh playing all together and mm -hmm. i think when when i presented it to the director he we were pretty lucky from the get-go that i had kind of put the work in so to speak to make sure i was really getting this this nasty sound that worked perfectly with the film and were there any were there any sort of other films that you were thinking of as as a reference point for these as well? I mean, the, 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 you know, I guess the beauty is you'd already done um, you'd already done Rogue uh, Crawl, sorry, with the um, huge alligator creature, yeah. and and again, it's a, that's also another sort of dark film and about subterranean um, places as well. Yes. But it's a different it's a different atmosphere between the two. Yes, um, I think. It one has to mention Jaws, because if you don't mm. mention Jaws, then you're just lying, <laughs> because that, that was the invention of the whole genre. This one, um, the creature, to compare uh, Crawl and this one, the creature in, in, in the tank is smarter. So I needed to be a little bit more um, psychological in, in terms of how the, the creature was kind of planning its attack, whereas Crawl, it was more um, visceral, and I don't want to use the word mindless, but perhaps more nature or biological, where that mm. creature would just go for anything. But with, with the tank, I needed to come up with a more um, measured approach in that way. So, th so thinking about that from the beginning and coming up with these kind of musical rules, that, that helped me separate the two. Because it's, it's interesting with, with Crawl, with, you know, the, the creature in Crawl, there are already sort of real world rules attached yes. to that for an audience and and right. with these the monsters in um, in the tank it's 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 an unknown isn't it that's right mm -hmm. and the element of the unknown is something that i used as the as as a way to to get into this world a little bit more um and for when people see the film there's moments where they're not sure what's going on just yet so building a set of colors and a sense of wonderment to tap into that feeling that that was a lot of fun to do that and to to kind of have that be the b-side of the terror that will be to come mm. no it's fascinating and i think you know it, it it works very successfully because you know the a lot of the film is very dark you know the, the, these these monsters it's it's coming out at, at night and in you're seeing bits of them reveal at different times you know so it's you're never getting 
you're never going to get the full reveal too early. It wouldn't make mm-hmm. sense. And the, the score does a great job in terms of adding to that as well and sort of slowly building that. Um, and and I think having it set in a in a period a few years, you know, a few decades ago as well, then adds a different set of rules to that as well, you know. That's right. Yeah, because to use, let's just say, a super modern synth, one could do that, but it's helpful, as you said, that it is in the 70s because you think you are restricted in a healthy way to a mm. palette that works with that time period, with their with their clothes, with the car. So, mm. yeah, doing that is it's actually very helpful as a composer because it gives you kind of lanes to work in. Um, because now, you know, anything can be done anywhere in music and to have to have these sort of boundaries is it, it almost makes it more fun to work with in that way. What are your what are your hopes for it? Do you hope to have have this sort of nailed on in terms of when people are talking about the, you know, sort of modern creature features that, you you know, to be featured in, in those lists and and. Yeah, I think uh, as we were talking, it's it's a way to to I wanted to make a tasteful score that was economical and that it just treats the audience with dignity. It doesn't overuse themes. It lets the audience settle into the environment because that's really the, most of the tone and mood of the film is them getting into this world and just watching them think they're safe, but then these things slowly mount and they slowly and slowly get more and more nervous. So I think I just wanted to make a really fun, great score that would, that would work well with this, this great monster movie. I think it's, um, and it comes, it starts streaming tomorrow and I'm really excited for more and more people to see it and to, to hear their reactions. Fantastic. And so where will we hear your your music next as well? I believe you've got um, The Old Guard 2 coming. That's uh, right. I'm in the middle of that right cast. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a great cast. And they're doing some more editing right now, but I've already been working on it with Ruth Barrett, who I don't know if you, you've you met before, but I know she's in the UK. She's but on the road somewhere, actually. She's from kidding. local. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're having a blast working on it, and, and I'm very excited to resume that process. Uh, on probably the next few weeks. And um, I also just finished a Netflix show, which uh, hasn't been announced yet, but I'm very excited for that to to get announced and come out, I think the end of summer. So, so yeah, I've got a lot of great things coming. Fantastic. And is there, um, is there any type of genre of film that you're yet to work on that you would, you would love to have a go at? A genre? Um, so far, I've I've touched quite a few um, a genre. I don't know. I think I watched um, I watched. Um, I'm almost done with Seven Years in Tibet or rewatching it. Mm-hmm. And I was just reminded that w- wartime movies. I was talking about it with a friend. Those still are my favorite movies. So I think at some point to really um, dig into one of those, like a Schindler's List or like. A great movie is 1917. Just wow. Mm. So to to dig into one of those and to build one of those scores from the ground up would be, I think, a dream.
And uh, I also wanted to ask, as a piece of music to sort of play out at the inter- uh, at the end of the interview, is is there is there a piece of music from a score that you've done that you feel maybe fell under the radar a little bit that you'd like people to go and seek out? Um, I think. That's a great question. I think um, the theme to the ice road, I'm I'm really proud of, and but there's there's a Lansky, and I think the the my Lansky theme also, I'm really proud of those two, which came out in 2021. But I think those are some pieces that I really felt like I um, I worked hard on to, for those to really nail nail the film, um, and I hope people enjoy them. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Max. And um, as you said, the tanks start screaming, uh, screening and screaming, hopefully. (laughs) Unintended. From tomorrow. Um, And it's perfect sort of late night, close the curtains, popcorn out movie. So um, everyone should, uh, should check that out. Absolutely. Thank you so much for chatting with me.